Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The Houseman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. I've been a member and supporter of Go Wild for over a year now. Man, how time flies. Their social media platform is for hunters by hunters. And if you followed me for any length of time, you know that I'm in the woods or on the water if I'm not working. And yes, some ask, do you work? Unfortunately, I do. It's a place that I post all of my trophies, no matter how big or small. Mine, mostly small. I get tips, tricks, tactics, and advice from people who eat, breathe, and sleep the outdoors. I log all of my outdoor adventures, including the time spent listening to the best podcast in the land, The Journey, hosted by no other than yours truly. So when I need anything outdoors, I just log on to the Go Wild store, pick out what I need, and that's anything from hunting, fishing, camping, optics, outdoor wear, and yes, hound supplies. So when you make your next purchase at Go Wild, use our discount code HXP10 to go along with that free shipping. I'm proud to partner up with the Go Wild team. So let's get your journey started today here on Go Wild. All right, today we are going to have a blast because I can't talk to this cat without laughing until my guts hurt. And it's a familiar voice. And if you guys could see what I'm seeing, it's a, it's a familiar face, even <laughs> though it hurts a little bit. Beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, but we have got none other than Mr. Brent Reeves on with us today. How's everything down in the Arkansas? Man, everything's great down here. I got a, can you see this creeping coon dog behind me? No. If you can see the um, shepherd laying at my feet and hear him. Oh, I see him on the bed now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's. I felt somebody staring at me. I turned around looking. There's old Waylon. Man, we're doing great down here. It's already, it's summertime and I absolutely hate it. It's hot. Me, I went coon hunting there the night and it was like getting scalded. It was just so hot. Mosquitoes was bad. But how do you keep the skeeters from carrying you away? That's what I want to know. Eat enough biscuits to make it hard. <laughs> cornbread, <laughs> cornbread, and beans to keep the mosquitoes from toting you plumb off. They gotta have a Huey to lift you and take you, don't they? <laughs> That's right. They ain't they ain't that coordinated. Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. Like I can't. The humidity kills me. Like I can't stand to step outside and just break out in a drenching sweat. Man, back when I was on the 
was wearing a uniform being the police. You know, I'd, I spent two hours a night shining my boots. Spit shine, so they just look good. And you step out of the car the first morning on that first traffic stop, and it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and it's 87 degrees, and it looks like you shine it with Hershey bar when you get back in the car. It's just, oh, it's just terrible. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, di- I did a track here a couple weeks ago on a guy, and uh, I didn't switch my vest out. You know, I've got, we've got the pullovers now, and uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the plate ca- or the carriers. So I didn't switch it out and put my tracking vest on because I got in such a hurry. And of course, I don't know however long it took. We went really up the side of the mountain and he, I guess we were gaining. He had his four wheel drive Crocs on. I know I mentioned that before. <laughs> he had them <laughs> things laced up tight. <laughs> and when I got back to the car and I unzipped my vest and pulled it off, it looked like I had been in a sauna. I mean, the steam just rolled out of that thing. So I had to come home, take everything off of it, wash it, wash it to start with. And of course, you know, when you put your stuff back together, it never fits the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uncomfortable. And it took me two more days to break it back in. But Keith, I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell Clay about when he's like, man, let's go coon hunting in the mountains or let's do anything in the mountains. I'm like, man, you can do stuff here on the flat ground. We got bad guys down here where the ground's flat. You ain't got to chase them up and down the <laughs> That's crazy. Let yeah. them folks go. Just let them go. Oh, yeah. I uh, I can't. That's what I, I mean, that's what you, we, we just sit here and listen to a pursuit on my radio. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, I don't miss that at all. And I'm like, oh man, it still gets my heart pumping. Like I, I like, I love it when people run because it's a challenge. Like how far can you go and can you get away from me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm about to the end of those days though. I'm going to be chasing something else, bear, coons, muskies. So <clears throat> so what about Waylon the Wonder Dog laying there on the bed? No wonder you don't have nowhere to sleep. <laughs> yeah, this is the room where I do all my podcast stuff, recording and writing up here. And uh, it was my son's room. He got old enough to get out in college and get out on his own, but I've kind of turned it into my studio, but uh Waylon comes up here if i'm working on the podcast and he just chills out hangs out he's doing good he'll be four uh august 15th he'll be four years old i got him when he was i think right at six months old hmm? he treated his first coon by himself when he was uh it was either eight or nine months i can't remember from start to finish striking a track and treating him by himself I think, he, I think he was nine months old. And, man, I tell you, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, and a joy to, to mess with this dog, train this dog. I used to, used to coon hunt a lot when I was a kid. And during a lot of my law enforcement, heavy law enforcement work, uh, part, of, or part of my career, well, I just wasn't able to dedicate the time to having a, to even justify having a dog, much less getting one to train. So... I've got a gap. I've got a big gap in my coon hunting career that lasted for over 20 years. So when my career kind of slowed down a little bit that I could, you know, justify getting another dog and being able to, to hunt him and put him to good use, I, I absolutely won the lottery when I got this dog. He's been easy to train. A lot of it's just natural and 
man, he's he's a member that it's a good thing he can tree a coon. I've told a million people because <laughs> when I brought him home, he was never leaving. Because <laughs> my wife Alexis and my little girl Bailey, they they loved him from the time he walked in the door. So it's it's very fortunate for me that that he can tree a coon and kind of earn his feed because. Like I said, he he wasn't going to leave here. Well, you know, it's funny because when you post him on Instagram, I've never seen a dog that has his own air conditioning unit in his doghouse. He's either (laughs) on the couch or in his air-conditioned condo. Like, it beats anything I've ever seen. We Alexis and I were sitting out there on the patio. uh, (laughs) It was hot now, but I I had some stuff on the grill. And she said, look at your dog. Anytime he's doing something stupid, he's my dog. And anytime, all the rest of the time, it's it's, it's her coon dog. But she said, I want you to look at your dog. I looked out there, and I guess his hind end was hot because he was he had his <laughs> hind end backed up in the door of that air conditioner in, in that <laughs> dog house, and the air conditioner was running. And then he'd turn around a little bit and run his head in there for, for a while and then come back and, and visit us. But he yeah, was- he's got a... <clears throat> he's got a uh, air conditioner on one side that runs off a thermostat and uh, and a heater on the other. So it never gets colder than 55 in his doghouse or warmer than 75. He was cool in his running gear is what he was doing. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> he had that tranny backed up in there ready to roll, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was, he was ready. He stays ready. So, I mean, as hot as it is down there, I know we've talked about this off and on before, but as hot as it is down there, do you hunt much in the summer or you just kind of give it a break until fall rolls around? Man, I don't hunt near as much. Now, when I was training him, I got that dog in, I think it was on my birthday, March, it's March the 13th or 14th, right before COVID really started in 2020. I mean, I mean, just before it kicked off here, uh, in Arkansas. Matter of fact, that same week that I got him is when they started shutting schools down and all that, all that big thing started. So I started hunting him that spring and I hunted him all through the summer and I was hunting uh, fortunate enough to have a lot of public land here in Arkansas and a lot of private land that I have access to. And I've got public land that is literally 15 minutes from my house, seven or 8,000 acres and i could go over there and i would hunt literally every night or almost every night you could bet five out of seven nights for an hour or two i'd take that dog over there and hunt him and that summer and the and the summer after that those two first two years that we had him i hunted that joker easily out of 365 days i would say i at least hunted him half of them, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, I hunted him a lot. And I wasn't doing a whole lot other than giving him an opportunity to get out there and do his thing, you know? So to answer your question, during those two years in the summertime, I hunted a lot. Since then, no, if it's too hot, uh, Brent ain't going. Yeah. Well, you got too many other irons in the fire now, making it big time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, I'm pretty busy. That's for sure. Yeah. I know I kept up with you when you were, were training him, and I know we had talked back and forth some, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of it's it's amazing he's four already. Like it's kind of crazy to think that. Yeah, it doesn't take <clears> long. Yeah, the dogs. I know you and I were on the phone the other day, and we were chit chatting, and 
um, somebody come and knocked on my door. And it was a little girl, well, girl, a college kid. They got, they board horses here beside me. And she come over and she goes, hey, can I get my stuff out of your yard? And, you know, Brent started laughing. And I've got <clears throat> my little five-month-old pup. I call her Sassy. She is the thief. I mean, a thief. <laughs> she had got that girl's fly mask. She had got her um, lead and her, br- her grooming brush and got them all over here in the yard while she was turned around untacking her horse. Like, I don't know how she does it. Um, uh-huh. And it's funny because they're shoeing horses down there today. And she come to the fence and asked me if I'd put her, <laughs> put her up while they were shoeing the horses. I'm like, well, honey, she carried him horseshoes off. She's more than I can handle. <laughs> <laughs> Did she, does she chew them up or just go grab them? Well, she was chewing stuff up. Now she, I don't know. She just brings it over here, drops it in the yard. It's like, if you're missing something, it's probably in my yard because she stole it. I don't know. I don't know where she gets it from. Like, I don't know how she does what she does, but she gets that stuff so fast. And it's a good, from the, from where they're, they've got their tack room. I mean, it's a good hundred yards from my house, from my yard to the tack room where they've got their little turnout and uh, everything there. So she's grabbing that stuff, getting back, getting under the fence bringing it up here to the building and then going, I guess she's going back and getting it two or three times. I don't know what she did, but well, keep an eye out. I lost a class ring in 1985. <laughs> I was squirrel hunting on Beach Creek, south of Lorne, Arkansas. So if you want to cross a, a class ring, that has got my initials on it. Just give me a holler. Yeah, I'll do. Well, if it turns up here and there's a good chance that it might, because <laughs> I've kind of had to be sneaky about it. Some of the stuff that she tore up, I just put in the trash can and threw it away. And I know that yeah. my neighbors, Chloe and them, was like, wonder what happened to that brush? Because she's chewed up two of their brushes. And um, there was some leather straps that had come off of their, their saddle. They they do the hunter jumper stuff. So they've got the jumps and stuff okay. set up down here. And there was a bunch of leather straps that she had chewed up. And I'm just like, Lord, dog, just leave them alone. You can go down there and visit, do whatever. And everybody loves her. I mean, when they're down there, everybody's petting on her and loving on her. Little do they know. She's eyeballing <laughs> stuff. It's what she's down there scoping it out. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <clears throat> but oh well, that's dogs for you. What else is good in your world, Brent? What? Well, uh, I'm working this. I'm doing this podcast now for uh, for meat eaters called This Country Life, and man, it is. And so much fun it was uh, uh really it's kind of a funny story the way it all started the uh clay and i were talking and I, i've been helping him for years you know i used to film for him full time or anytime that he had a project going with bear hunt magazine i was usually running the camera for him or for a lot of it and uh he then he then went to work for for meat eater and was doing his podcast and i've been involved with with that on um clay does a um historical <laughs> informational podcast you know bear grease podcast and then that come if that comes out this week then the next week we'll record what's called a bear grease render where we talk about um all the stuff that he couldn't maybe fit into that uh technical and historical episode and we'll talk about the stuff that, you know, what we got out of it, what our thoughts on whatever the subject was. So about every other week I've been uh, recording with him. And 
it got uh, the those renders got to be pretty popular, and, and Alexis and and Clay and and my wife Alexis and Clay and his wife Misty, where we were eating supper one night up in Fayetteville, and we while we were sitting there having supper, Clay just mentioned said, "Man, you ought to do your own podcast," and uh, I said, "Well, I, I couldn't do." the stuff that he does. I mean, if there was a guy tailor made for that, the historical informational type podcast, it's, it's, it's clay. And he said, well, he said, you ain't got to do one like that. He said, I'm doing one like this. You, what do you know? Well, of course I know law enforcement, but that's the last thing I want to talk <laughs> about. <laughs> and I can't wait till I don't have to talk about any of it. But, um, I said, well, man, country living, that's about all I know about. And he said, well, there you go. That's it. And we sat there around the supper table and for and talked for an hour. And pretty well, Misty had ideas about it. Alexis had great ideas about it. And we pretty well had the format down when we got up to pay the check and leave. And at that time, that was almost a year. Well, it was a year ago. Uh, Meat Eater was taking some in-house uh applications or ideas for for new shows and i just filled out a a sheet that had um, questions on there you know who would host it what the topics would be the length and all that kind of stuff and uh we sent we sent it in and they liked the idea i started doing i did they wanted four mock episodes so i recorded i'm just like what what do you want them? How do you want them? They're like, no, that's up to you. You do it. You figure it out. So there's been a, a little bit of tweaking here and there, but more or less is what we talked about that night. And if uh, for folks that hadn't heard it, it's on the Bear Grease feed, Bear Grease podcast feed. You just subscribe to it, and every Friday it'll download. Uh, I'm working on the 11th episode, I think, now. And it's they're usually about 20, 25 minutes long. Uh, I'll start it out with um, a story where it may relate to the subject we're talking about, uh, or it may not. It may be something totally different. And but uh, it's just story. They're they're I think good stories that I like to hear, so I I tell them all the time. <laughs> um, but it's a um, a look at just country living. I've done them on country vehicles you know the kind of trucks and vehicles that we use out in the woods and to get around on the farm and i've done them about how to pick out a squirrel dog or and what is a squirrel dog i've done them about the stuff that i tote in my overalls the knife yeah pocket knives and frog gigging yeah frog gigging has been all all kind of stuff and it's you know the the subject matter is literally uh country living yeah, it's anything. It is. It could be from making cornbread to catching fish. You know, you had yeah, we not, did. You, huh? You did the catfish fry because I yep, sent you a I, picture of me pulling the trunk line in. Yeah, I said, "Come yeah, on, Reeves, I, get you some." <laughs> yeah, I talked about you know catching fish <clears> with a trot line, and it could be anything. You know, and I get so many. It's been very, very well received, and it's done exceptionally well. Folks at Meat Eater are just absolutely tickled about how well it's doing, and and I couldn't be any more surprised that anybody would be interested in listening to it. But a lot of folks could identify with it, and I get messages and texts from people from 
literally all over the world, Australia and Scotland and England. My good friend, Adam Dean over in England, I talked to him, which I talked to him all the time anyway, but uh, I get messages from people that live in New York. I got, I got one from a guy who lived in New York City the other day that as far as I can tell, had, had the only woods he's ever been in may have been Central, Central Park. Park. <laughs> yeah, but he was he's loving it, you yeah. know, and it, it was it reminded him of an old or a simpler time or or maybe, you know, what his grandparents talked about or whatever. Anyway, there's something hopefully identifiable in it with with everyone and, and you can listen to it with your whole family. You ain't got to worry about, you know, uh language or subject matter being off color or or uh, out of bounds, I guess. So hopefully, uh, you know, people identify with it. I, even, I had a lady text me that said that they listened to it uh, at, on Friday night when they all sat down at the supper table to eat. They would sit there and listen to me ramble on about whatever it was I'm rambling on that week. So in that aspect, if it's getting folks together, families to sit down at the supper table and talk amongst themselves, man, that's a, it's worth all the effort that it took to, that it takes to put it out there. And I can't say enough about uh, the folks at Meat Eater that, that produce it. You know, Hayden Samick is the main guy that works on mine. He's a sound engineer and, and longtime employee up there and absolute great guy. And they, uh, they get it, man. They just, they want, they produce a, a very good product and they, uh, they're sticklers for, uh, making it right and very professional and i'm i'm very proud to you know to be working with them and very humble very grateful very blessed to be there so it's just a it's a great place plus i get to go to bozeman montana and fly fish so that's ah. that's, pretty, that's pretty sporty yeah have you seen that uh that reel that they put out talking about the um uh what do they call it like fruit and granola trying to throw a uh, a fly out in the water and then somebody's pull, pulling up some shark type fishing like now this is fishing i think it's, yeah. i think about that every time because when i go out west my goal i think i said it on a podcast before when i come back from yellowstone last year i'd like to go out there and take a three to five day trip just fishing those rivers because i love to fish and it's beautiful um mm. but i think that's pretty funny yeah <laughs> and i seen yeah. um adam was sporting one of your bear greases yeah. And then somebody, I don't know if it was you or Clay, had posted the the dude in the baseball stadium. I don't know what who. I don't keep up with baseball, so I don't know who it was. But yeah, yeah he was sitting like the third row up and had the bear grease hat on. Yeah, so. yeah, man, it's kind of it's become a like its own club, I guess. Yeah, uh, I've met a million people wearing that bear grease it's hat. A cult, now, it's a cult, Brent. It's a cult. <laughs> that may be what it is. If they start handing out purple tennis shoes, I'm I'm out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool that people identify with that. You know, I've had folks say that uh, they send me pictures in the DFW airport. You know, you can look across 200 people. And he's got a guy's head circled is wearing a bear grease hat. Mm -hmm. um, I've had uh, folks come up to me if I'm wearing it and like, man, that podcast is great. I love listening to that. I love listening to that bear grease podcast. And I'm like, what do you think about <clears throat> the render? I don't know. I ain't never listened to that. And I'm like, well, you are too. It's pretty good. And they just <laughs> keep on. 
Okay. <laughs> but uh it's it, it's funny. It's you know, it's it, it means something to folks and it, it's just it's it's good, man. It's just there ain't nothing bad about it. Getting people together and having a good time. Just you can't beat it. Can't go wrong. I know you and I were talking the other day and, and I know this is a hound hunting or a a dog training, hound training podcast, but we're gonna go off the rails today and just have a good time because every time that I'm on the phone with with Brent, we laugh and cut up and you know, so many similarities and how you know, how our past crossed and all that. But, you know, we were talking the other day um about country living and we were talking about my mm-hmm. freezer being full, you know. Yeah. And, you know, what what was it you said like I've got three freezers plumb full. I've got beef in one. I've got a small freezer with all of our wild game and what fish I can put in there. And then the third freezer has got a mixture of everything in it. And we were talking yeah. about like, man, that's like a highlight of life that I got a freezer yeah. full of stuff. Don't even have to go to the store. Yeah. I'm at the, I'm at the point in my life where <clears throat> a good tree dog, a good seasoned iron skillet and a freezer full of deer and bear meat. I mean, I got the world by the tail, man. You said <laughs> you said that you'd found some bear in there that you didn't even know you had. Didn't even know I had defrost my defrosted my freezer, turned that thing up, got got a big Yeti cooler and got all the stuff out of it that was in there. And Alexis and I are digging around the bottom. She starts pulling out packages. I'm like, hold. She said, Bear TL, what's that? I'm like, baby, that's gold. That's bear <laughs> tenderloin. I said, we're going to put that on the top of the stack when we get this thing defrosted. So, yeah. That's what and I got in the like, crock pot right now is. It's, it was like, I'll tell you what it was like. For folks that ain't, that, and most of the folks that listen to this, I guarantee you can't relate. But it's like grabbing a winter coat first time and putting your hand in the pocket find a ten dollar bill in there <laughs> it's like where'd that come like, from <laughs> oh it's been just laying in there waiting <laughs> for <you> to find <laughs> that's right yeah. that's exactly right but we um we have been taking because i'm not a big fan of the bear steaks um for whatever mm-hmm. reason I don't, i'm just not crazy about them so we've been taking the steaks and putting them in the crock pot and then doing like a pulled pork in tacos oh yeah um and i actually got that um, if you guys go back and listen to um, from field to, to plate with the chef Shelley, uh, she was the one that kind of mentioned that, and I actually put it in the show notes um, some of her taco recipes. But she, we were off script talking, and she was like, "Well, just do it this way, and you'll probably see a huge difference." And I did, and so we're taking all the steaks that we have, and that's what I'm doing. I put them in a crock pot, doing them like yeah. pulled pork, and eating those things on taco we having taco bear tacos tonight oh man that's good i i tell you my wife and little girl they could eat tacos every day they love mexican food what is it with women they love it i don't know man my wife is from she's a texican she's from texas and they could eat she could eat three meals a day yeah she absolutely loves mexican food the journey on houndsman xp has teamed up with one tdc This dual-action support for oral health and mobility in our dogs. This unique supplement is so effective that it is recommended by top veterinarian experts worldwide to maintain and improve our dog's health in four different areas. Their oral health, hips, joints, and muscles, skin, coat, energy, and recovery. Guys, I've been using this product for the last six months, and it has been a game-changer for me. 
If you're looking for something to help with the overall health of your dog, go to WorkSoWell.com and give this product a try. It is highly recommended by Houndsman XP here on The Journey. Do you like to be outside like I do? Hunting, fishing, hiking? If so, Onyx is the app for you. I've been a loyal Onyx user for years. It's the one app that I can honestly say I use daily. While hunting, I know where I'm at at all times. I mark trails, bedding areas, feeding areas, and the list goes on. In my travels, I use it to pre-scout all the new places that I am blessed to hunt. Last year, while hiking Yellowstone, I used Onyx to map out the trails and know the difficulty of each one. And here's a secret. I mark all of my favorite fishing spots on Onyx. It's been a game changer for me at work. I've used it multiple times to get in touch with property owners. Onyx has so many great features and tools, you can literally use it in your everyday life. It is, by far, the best mapping app on the market. And hey, it's approved by yours truly at Houndsman XP. So when you go to subscribe to Onyx, use our code HXP20 and get you a discount. So get your journey started with Onyx and know where you stand. And, but yeah, that's a great idea. Now, Bailey, my little girl would rather, Alexis, she's not so keen on wild game. Like I had some ribs, some pork ribs, a buddy of mine, um, Corey Eisenhower, he's a fireman and he's got a taxidermy studio. He, buddy of mine, he, he gave me some pork ribs that he, on a hog he'd kill. And I had them on smoker and Alexis walks out there and said, what are you cooking for supper? And I, I rolled that top up. She said, oh, those ribs look great. What kind of animal did that come off of? Because <laughs> <laughs> she never knows. We Just eat it. Just horse. eat it. <laughs> you know? So uh, so she's not so crazy about wild game, but Bailey, my gosh, that kid will eat it. She loves, she would rather eat bear chili than mm. bear steak than anything. Really? Her, yeah. You, you, you ask her what her favorite meal is, and it's uh, – it's bare chili, and she could eat it in the hottest in the middle of August. She loves it. So while while you're talking about that, I want to bring I want to talk about this real quick. So mm-hmm. when I was doing my thing with with Chef Shelley, <clears throat> you know, she talked about the adrenaline in the game when you take the animal, harvest the animal. Of course, mm-hmm. we run with dogs, so there is there is that element where you guys are, you know, bow hunting strict mostly, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of wonder, I, I would really like to exchange some of that and find out if it is if it has a different taste to it because I've never eaten one that was harvested without dogs ever. Yeah, that might absolutely might make a difference. I'm sure it does. You know, the diet of your bears and our bears down here in Arkansas are going to be really similar. You know, acorns and berries and stuff like that. So the the part that would be, you know, different would absolutely be how you take them. Cause I, you know, I've killed the bears that I've killed here in Arkansas. Uh, the furthest one I think ran uh, maybe 60, 70 yards. And most of them were dead wrist right there within, you know, 30. Yep. Yeah. And I, so, so I guarantee you there's a, absolutely a, 
a change there in in how it, how it tastes. I would I would assume. Yeah, yeah. She said she lot, was very adamant about. Going on. Yeah, and yeah. something with Alexis, you should tell her <clears throat> that that Chef Shelley said that the the bear was so similar to the pork that it has this, and she you know she talked about adding the spices and stuff that like like they do to the pork. So maybe you can maybe you can play that off and say, "Hey, that's just a pig." Man, it's all in her head because I have fed that gal bear meat before, and she didn't. It was fajitas, I think. It was bear meat fajitas, mm. and uh, she was eating it up like it was the last meal before she went to sit in an electric chair. <laughs> <laughs> she was eating it up, and I never told her any different. And so it's it's all in her head. You know, she, she, and bless, man, bless her heart. She'll try anything. When we first got married, she was like, I said, you going to try some squirrels? She's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll try. Well, that was, uh, 12 or 13 years ago. However, I can't do the math in my head real quick from that. We've been married. And, um, now if you mention squirrels, she's like negative. I'm out. So she don't she don't have to impress me anymore. She's so she's not eating squirrels or anything like that. But she uh, she she tried it for a while. But like I said, Bailey is just the opposite. She'll eat anything. She'll eat, she'll eat anything. You catch. We had we went frog gigging the other night. Mm-hmm. I had to, I did a I did a podcast on this country life about frog gigging. So I needed needed a couple of frogs to to do a skinning demonstration. You know, for Instagram. And I figured I would get two. I'd at least get one video good enough to put on there so me and michael roseman go out and just pass his house and gig a couple frogs and i brought them back and we skinned them and i filmed all that and then the next night me and uh, i got bailey to help me fry them up and the first bite that she took that's on that video is the first bite she's ever first time she's ever held a frog leg in her hand and buddy (laughs) she just she went to it like a duck on a roasting ear she she was eating it up (laughs) Well, wait a sec. Did you freeze them before you fried them? No, no, I didn't. Oh, now, mom, was, mama gonna be mad. Yeah, that was my mama's deal there. Mm-hmm. Now she she didn't like them frogs kicking around in the skillet. So yeah, yeah, I remember doing yeah. that when I was a kid too. Like I remember it. To make them jump. Yeah, you pour. And what Heath is talking about, and I talked about it in that podcast, is <clears> my mother would cook all the frog legs that that we could eat. But she wanted them to come out of the freezer because if they're fresh, they still got some living cells in those legs, and it'll react to stimulus. You can take a, a fresh skin frog leg and lay it on a plate and pour a little salt on it, and it'll start wiggling and twitching around. Or you put one in a skillet, and it'll start wiggling too, like it's a like it's alive. And it's it's kind of it's kind of weird for sure. But my mama, man, she didn't like that at all. What about snake? You ever eat snake? I have not. Now my brother has. I just ain't never been that hungry. And if I if I got <laughs> I probably would. My brother killed a big old rattlesnake one time, and his boys, well, they're grown and gone, got families of their own now. But that time they were still in school, and they had a little boy that lived down the road that would come down and and play with with uh, my youngest nephew, Will. And this boy was, they's out there playing in the yard, and they called the youngest to come in to eat supper and they walked in there and he said what is that and and he, my brother told me well that's that rattlesnake i killed earlier we got it fried up and we're going to eat it for supper and the little boy said well i gotta go home so he went home 
And he just said he had to go home. Well, two or three days later, he's back down there playing. And my brother called him in and said, y'all come on and eat. And he asked him, he said, Wade, you going to eat? And he said, no, sir. He said, you ain't hungry? He said, yes, sir. He said, well, why don't you eat? He said, I don't ever know what y'all going to have. <laughs> <right here." laughs> so so he, well, he walked home and ate supper. But <laughs> That's a way my to brother br- said, My brother said it was, you know, about like a about like frog leg, you know. Everybody says, "Oh, everything's like chicken." chicken. Well, yeah, it ain't like chicken. He said it's probably about like frog legs. When yeah, ate it, but I've never not, had it. I ain't neither. Uh, I know a guy. Man, it's funny you mention that. I know a guy out in uh, West Oklahoma, Jesse McGregor, and he makes a living catching them and skinning them, selling the skins, selling the meat, and. Uh, Boy, he sent me some videos of some absolute monsters they catch out there. And uh, but anyway, I mean, there's obviously a market for it. Somebody, somebody's eating them somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I I would try it. Like I would try it. Um, I've actually had mountain lion before. Um, and it's you know white like pork. Um, yeah. Of course, now I've heard mixed things about it, but I thought it was decent. I didn't think it was bad. Um, we had a like a wild game banquet and somebody had brought it into the church and I don't remember where it come from, but it, it looked like pork chops is what it looked like. Yeah. Heck, it may have been pork chops and they said it was a cat, but, um, <laughs> but I eat it and I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'll try, I'll try. I like to try a snake. Um, my brother has like yours. He's eat it before. Um, when they were in the military, I think they called a couple and got hard up and too many Pepsis in them and, yeah <laughs> they, they, they was frying them things but I, I i'd like to i guess i would try it i guess i'm not too too good to i just i just ain't got that hungry yet <laughs> what's too many too many beans and taters are that's keeping right. them skeeters off of you that's right that's right <laughs> so talking about squirrel let's go let's talk about some squirrel dogs are you mm-hmm. are you you have one or y'all using clays or what what are y'all doing there to catch the squirrels yeah, we I'm using Clay's. Clay's got some some feists and uh, he's got a couple of good ones. One is real good, but that's what I that was my first introduction to tree dogs when I was growing up. Squirrel dogs, mm-hmm. and my dad and our family had a line of dogs for a long, long, long time, and uh, it, that that line's completely gone now. But that was. We used, uh, they were mountain curs, and some of them would have a, a little feist mixed in here and there. They were all bob, mostly bobtail. Nine, 90% of them were bobtail growing up. And uh, we uh, would hunt them off horses. And these dogs had tree squirrels and bay hogs. And we'd catch hogs and mark them, or we'd kill them in the wintertime and drag them out. But they were very... Uh, useful you know they earned their keep on the place where we didn't have them it just turned out that some of them were real good pets you know and i've i've talked about one dog in particular his name was peanut that was a, a bobtail mountain cur that was my daddy i swear he was my dad's favorite son is how i describe how i describe him mm-hmm. but uh, he was a he was a short enough diehard tree dog and uh and a good hog dog too. It's funny you say peanut because my duchy, my work dog, is called Pino, and all the detectives make fun of him and call him Peanut. Yeah. 
And I, I tell them, I said, go ahead. I'll let him out and you pet him while you're calling him Peanut. They all <laughs> yeah. start backpedaling, but that's what they, they, they make fun and poke at him all the time calling him Peanut. I'm like, mm-hmm. He does. In fact, I've got to where I've actually called him that sometimes. I was out on that track yeah. the other day. And we were headed, <laughs> back to the, yeah, and I was headed back to the car and I called him that. And I, looked, I was like, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. <clears throat> you, you had, and something else I want to talk about is you mm-hmm. had a, you talked in your podcast about um, your, your lab. Was it Annie? Anna. Anna. What, mm-hmm. Tell me about her because you you was talking about that other guy that come in and supposed to have this really nice dog and you kind of had to learn he, he he had to learn through his his dogs hadn't seen the amount of ducks and stuff that yours did yeah uh, and we talk about dog training and you know that's a that's that's a lot of different difference in the worlds and the the cap drive driving the capping the drives on the dog and stuff especially when they're stimulated that much mm-hmm. um, tell me a little bit about her and what how she came about, what you did with her. Like I, that was pretty interesting when I was listening to that. She was, uh, she was a black lab, a restaurant black lab. And she was out of Louisiana and a friend of mine did a tree planting job for this guy down in Louisiana, this dog trainer, professional dog trainer, lab trainer. And I think he did, he may have done some police canine stuff too, I believe. But anyway, <laughs> he was a well-known trainer down there and this this tree planting job that he came up with i'm not sure the guy kind of got in a bad financial slot there for about for a few months before he could kind of get his head above water and he called my buddy that uh that did the tree planting for him and said look man i i can't pay you right now i'm gonna have to work something out and uh my buddy said he was a just absolute wonderful human being said man don't you train duck dogs he said i do he said well give me one just give me a give me a trained dog and we'll call the rest of this job even and uh so he did and he had that dog for about two months and he called me and he said brent i want you to i was working at the sheriff's office in uh bradley county that during that time and uh, we were friends and he called me said i need you to come down here i want you to look at something so I drove down there far into the county and he said, I got this Labrador dog here and I, it's a duck dog supposed to be fully trained. You know what, you know how to run one, don't you? I'm like, well, sure. <clears throat> he said, well, if this thing is worth what, what it's supposed to be $6,000. Now this was, Whew. this, this would have been about 1993 or four. So it's, it's gone up in price a lot. So <laughs> yeah. at that time, he said, this is supposed to be a $6,000 dog, and I need I need to know if my investment is good. I'm like, okay. So I got the dog out, got a bumper, and started giving a heel and, uh, you know, fetch and, and find out what her name was. She was she would go on her name. And then I'm throwing dummies out and doing hand signals, blind retrieves. And, I mean, I, this dog was like a remote control. And I said, this is this dog is absolutely well worth uh, six thousand dollars what you paid for. And he said, well, good. He said, what would you think about hunting her? I said, oh gosh, I'd hunt that dog. Absolutely, you know, every day of the season. He said, well, take her home. And I just, you know, make a long story short, it was uh, she was a year old. We kept, we had her for thirteen when when I got her. She was almost a year old when I got her, and. 
I finished out her training. She was more or less done. I just repeated the stuff that carried on the stuff that their trainer had started. And 12 years later when she died and we put her in a hole, I thought I was going to have to put my son in there with her. Mm -hmm. You know, she was an absolute, one of the absolute best dogs I've ever hunted over. And, uh, it was, um, a, a weird way to get it. You know, I couldn't have, have afforded a dog like that. You know, back then my salary, I was making, you know, $20,000 a year. Peanuts. You know, yeah. A six, a $6,000 dog, man, that was a car to me. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I got her and we hunted her and she, there's been folks all over the country, uh, that's hunted with her and she made a big impression on a lot of people. She, uh, I remember my dad told me one time when I was a kid, he said, you know, if you've got something of value that you value and other people will value it, don't ever put a price on it because there's somebody out there that'll pay for it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, so I, and I didn't really understand what he was talking until one day she was probably three, three or four years old, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, we were hunting with some folks uh, I can't even remember where this guy was at somewhere in Georgia, I believe be a real successful businessman that had come and was hunting there with us at our, our guy booked a hunt with some clients of his. So we were duck hunting, you know, hunting them. And, uh, we were in the timber and I mean, we were just smashing ducks and she was retrieving them. And he said, boy, I sure would like to have that dog. And I said, well, she ain't for sale. And it started, they were there for three days on the third day when they're getting ready to leave and it, this has been going on the whole time. Every time the a, a lull in the conversation came about, he started wanting me to put a price on that dog and, uh, but how much he liked her and he loved, man, he just followed that dog around all over the cabin or all over the camp. So they getting ready to leave. They're saddling up and I'm sitting upstairs with a cup of coffee and he comes up and we're talking and he's, He's paid for his, his visit and all his clients. He's a man. He said, I'm on one more time. He said, I'll, uh, I sure would like to have that dog. And I said, I know you would. She's not for sale. He said, what would you take for us at $10,000? He pulled out his checkbook. He said, will you take this right now? $10,000 and start. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, there's no way I, I wouldn't have sold that dog for a million. I really wouldn't have. And as bad as I needed the money, mm -hmm. but that was a lesson to me right there. Don't pay price you don't want to sell because somebody will pay for it. And there's no doubt in my mind he would have, he would have wrote me a check for that dog right there. And all I had to done was load her up in his truck and told her bye. But yeah, I got seven more years, seven or eight more years of, of memories mm -hmm. off of that. So uh, that was that was a lesson learned for me right there. Yeah, I. I've I've done that a couple times. I've priced some young dogs that I had that I thought was ridiculous for what they were worth, and Lord, they about jerked my arm out of socket taking the dog from me. And I, yeah. I've got rid of two good dogs, really good dogs, by that. And I you can't replace you can't replace a dog if they give you ten thousand dollars right there, you just spent twenty trying to replace her. Oh yeah, yeah, uh -huh, yeah. I mean, I got that, I was blessed to get that dog. It was, uh, through a friendship and through, uh, this man that's a friend of mine that recognized the value of that dog and what a waste it would have been 
if he'd have just had her around his house as a pet because mm-hmm. she was an absolutely outstanding pet and she there would have been a, no better pet you could have had but all that other stuff the, all the capabilities that she had and everything that it, it would have been an absolute disservice to that dog you know to not to not hunt her and let her do what her natural ability told her to do you know i've told a thousand stories about that dog my son hunter drake hunter is his name but they were as tight as a human and a dog has ever been at any time they they grew up together he never remembered a time that she wasn't in our life and as close as they were it was wherever he was at she was at but as soon wherever he was at in the boat she was with him in the boat but as soon as we put her up on the dog stand he could pet her, you could pet her, I could pet her. She was absolutely oblivious to anything going on around her other than watching, keeping her eyes on the skies, watching for ducks. And she didn't whine, she didn't whimper, she didn't lick on nobody. She didn't. She was absolutely 100% engrossed and ingrained in doing what she was put on this earth to do. Now, Hunter could stand beside her, and occasionally she would nudge him with her, head but the rest of the time she was looking at the sky man it was it was really cool to watch how focused that dog is and you know you y'all talk about training dogs on here all the time man you can't train that Mm-mm. they're Mm-mm. they're just they just got it you That's know right. they got it or they or they don't so i've been i've been blessed in and having the few dogs that i've had her being one and then this coon dog here that you know i you know i trained it with the help of a lot of folks mainly uh rex whiting my coon hunting buddy and and michael roseman uh, but they have th- this dog has got a lot of a natural ability and i more or less just put it in a position to to, to for him to do his thing you just know give him an opportunity yeah, and then when I praised him, he's like, okay, you know, this mm-hmm. is not only do I want to do this, the boss thinks it's a good thing for me to do it, so I'm going to gonna keep on doing it. So it's, I've had very, very, very little correction uh, on this dog to keep him straight and going straight. And I want to go back. I got to – I want to I want to touch up on what you were talking about on both of your dogs, Waylon and her. But so I'm not in the retriever world much, and – you know, that's something we're getting ready to tap into. So you guys listening, if you're if you're if you're retriever fanatics, we are gonna tap into some of that stuff here in the next few podcasts. So y'all are gonna wanna tune in and listen to some of the guests that we got coming on because it's pretty exciting. But like so you got her at a year old. Is that like to get a dog of that quality at that young, is that typical for the retrievers? Like, did he have a, a a kennel with five of those in there and said, oh, here you go, you know, here's my my worst one, or here's, they're all the same, just take your pick. How, how does that work in the retriever world? Or Man, it's the same. It's it's just like, it's, it's the same. You know, whether you're training coon dogs or squirrel dogs or, or cow dogs, you're going to, the cream's going to rise to the top. You know, you've you got always 
like for for an example and analogy, and one of my favorite analogies is one I actually came up with myself. Jim Kelly is a Hall of Fame quarterback. That dude had like 10, 15. I mean, he had a whole passel of brothers. Same mama, same daddy. Only one of those guys is in the Hall of Fame. And you would think, well, how come his brothers wasn't there? You know, they they played, some of them played football. They were sports, they're good athletes. But only one of them made it to the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame. And it's the same with these dogs. You'll see it. You know, you get a litter of a 10 and you get two out of there or you get one, or sometimes you get none. This, it's it's the dogs that show uh, perception and the ones that, that show the signs of being able to understand what you want them to do. The best dog in the world, you know, most dogs, I'd say all dogs that doesn't have some type of mental defect, they want to please whoever the guy is that's feeding them. It's been my, and, and my dad always said he could pick out the best squirrel dog out of a litter when they hit the ground. And he said that the best dog is always going to be the one that gets hunted. Mm-hmm. He said, I guarantee you, mm-hmm. I hunt, I picked a red one out of all the, and the rest of them are white. I pick one out of 10. If I hunt this one more than the rest of them, you know, all things are the same. There's no, you know, mental defects on one because they just like people. They got problems too. But if, if all things are the same, the one that turns out is the one that gets hunted. And I'm a firm believer in that. And I know there's, you know, it's not no absolutes in animals or, or training either one, but having the opportunity, putting the opportunity in front of a dog to get out there and do what you want them to do. Once they, I think they have an inherent desire to please you. They also have a genetic code that they can't fight and a, that they can't deviate from. And if a tree dog, you're talking to about a tree dog, if they want to go out and naturally trail and tree uh, an animal, if you, all you need to do is establish the parameters of what you're going to allow them to do. Are you going to let them run a deer before they come across a coon track and, and strike and trail it? Are you going to let them fight at the tree? Are you going to, whatever you, that you need to correct. That's to me, that's what my job is, is to let that dog more or less do his thing. And then I'm going to, I should adjust to how he hunts to, to make it easier for him to be successful. Michael Roseman. I love that guy, but I promise you he will. And he will tell you, if he if he cuts a dog, if he we're training pups, and he cuts a puppy loose, and he goes out there, strikes, tracks, and trees in ten minutes, and I'm over there jumping, doing cartwheels, and and happy about what's going on. He looks at me and like, well, why didn't he do that in nine minutes instead of ten minutes? You know, <laughs> so that's just the way Michael is. Me, I'm on the opposite. I'm like, holy cow, you know. This dog did it. And a lot of people are that way. They got to, and I'm not saying that's wrong at all, but I think you're, I think it's more enjoyable to me. And Michael will tell you the same thing. And then Michael's going to listen to this. He's going to hear it. He's going to be chunking stuff at me for saying this, <laughs> but he'll tell you the same thing. He, man, he's just hard. He, he wants it always to be better. And that's how he's got such good dogs is because of that. He's never satisfied with what he's got. 
He always wants to be better and be better. And and he does. He does. He, he has that. And he's been successful because of that. But to me, man, I'm strictly a pleasure hunter. And what I want to do and what I was able to do with this dog was to turn him loose and hunt him by himself. And, and I adapted more or less to his style of hunting. It just happened. We just happened to fit. You know, it was a one in a million picked. I looked for six months, Heath, for a dog. When I decided I was going to get another coon dog, I looked for six months. That dog, and I talked to people on the phone, Waylon was the absolutely only dog I went and looked at. And when I got mm. there and I seen him, I thought, that's my dog right there. And I don't have no idea other than divine intervention of, of what, how it came to be. But, you know, I... I hunted him now. Now, the next dog that I get, I, I'm always going to compare it to this one. That's going to be hard mm -hmm. for me to accept the way this next dog hunts that I get. Because I will get another one. He's, like I said, he'll be four in August. So it's it's time to start looking. Oh, Waylon the Wonder Dog hit the lottery <laughs> when, yeah, when he hooked up real. with Brent Reeves. I mean, that <laughs> scoundrel laying back there stretched out on the bed like he owns yep. the place. Yep, he does own the place. Look at him. He's snoring. I mean, he's snoring over life. there. He's gonna have drool all over him. You gonna have to. You gonna have to wash the sheets, Brent. <laughs> yeah, yep, for sure. But I, you know, I that's that is my uh, concept, I guess, of of hunting, and and I'm sure a lot of people do. It's nothing. I'm not an anomaly. It's nothing new. Uh, you got a style that you like, and that's what's gonna keep you either keeping a dog or, or pushing him on somewhere else where you know someone else might like it but i was i went into this absolutely looking for two things i want to be able to control that dog to tell him what to do and and when he treated coon i want him to stay there till i got there and that's that's the only issue that's the only um things that I put down on the list that I, that I needed him to do. The requirements for him to do was to do what I told him when I told him. And I think all that came from having Labradors all those years. And I wanted him to, you know, to be true, to be right. And, uh, you know, a, a case in point was just the other night, Michael and I were hunting on, uh, up on the white river on some private ground up there. And Waylon got treated across a lake, big old Oxbow Lake, and but we just couldn't get around there to him. So we pulled up to where an old boat ramp was and looked across the lake, and sure enough, we, I could see Waylon. We had the uh, uh, those uh, dad gum. I got one in my in my hunting coat. I can't remember what you call them. Thermal. The, yeah, thermal, mm -hmm. thermal imager. And we look across there, and we can see Waylon. We can see the coon. Well, he's got him. You know, I don't need to go over there. I called him one time. He turned and looked at me. I called him again. He jumped in that lake and swam 185 yards over to where I was at. And I loaded him up, and away we went. You know, some folks say, oh, man, you, you know, you need to go to him or you need to uh, – you, you can't have a dog that handles that good because it will take some drive away from him. Well, you know, not for Brent. Mm -mm. That's my dog, and I like the way he does that. You know, <clears throat> that, that – that's just something that that I like. That that's what fits my style. That's that's the reason they make Fords and Chevrolets. Everybody likes something different. 
and this cat back here coming to me when I call him, that's what I like. Well, it, and there's so many things I can touch on there. Well, the first thing is, it's so much, it's so easy and pleasurable to train a dog, and you're really not training it, that has the natural instinct to do what it's bred to do. You mm-hmm. said it, and I've said it numerous times on the podcast, is you just you just supply the dog with opportunity and you set boundaries. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, you looks like you've had two of those. Um, a lot of people ask me, about how much obedience is too much how much is too much for me if it's done wrong then you can shut a dog's drive down absolutely but when it's done correctly you're not you're not hurting the dog's drive whatsoever and one of the things that i see and i follow a bunch of people on instagram i follow a bunch of people on facebook um one of the things that I cannot, and, and print just like you, I mean, you have one dog and allows you to do some things that a lot of people don't do or don't want to do is you're spending every minute that you're home, that dog's in the house with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you're spending time with that dog and time with that dog and time with that dog. Somebody has probably got their hands on that dog inside your house the majority of the day. Yes. And it shows you can go hunting with somebody. You can watch these videos and stuff that people post on Instagram. um, And you can see who spends time with their dogs. And that doesn't take anything. It just takes the time. It takes, okay, so, and I talk about it too. And I know that uh, me and Chad Reynolds had talked about it on one of the other podcasts. If you take 18 minutes a day, every day, you're doing more than 95% of the people in the world. So uh, I firmly believe that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're spending well more than 18 minutes a day because the dog literally lives with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it resonates. It, it, it makes a world of difference. And I, I know that everybody can't, I mean, I've got 14 dogs. I can't bring them all in the house, but sure. my young dogs come in. My young dogs have been at, when I woke up this morning, I've got three puppy, four puppies. I actually got a five month old and some three months old. The three months old have been out of the pen, and I do live on a, in a farming area. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm a my neighbors are great. They're you know they're far enough away, um, but they've been out of the pen since since I got up this morning at seven o'clock. I've got them out. I've done a little bit of uh, I've done a little bit of um, work with them. They've been running loose all day, and then tonight at dark, I put them back up. And the only reason that I put them up is because I've got a skunk that's up here in the field that's lurking around, and I don't want them catching it. And yeah. we have coyotes that are pretty thick at times. Yeah. So I'm just being cautious. That's it. Now, my five-month-old, the thief, I've got mm. I've got to watch her when, when I cut her out. But you got to put some ankle weights on that, though. Yeah, so I've got to be able to keep an eye on her. She don't run off or anything, but when the, when the girls are at the barn and they're down there, I try to put her up because I don't want her stealing all her stuff. Um, but she's out a big part of the day too. And, you know, that to me, that helps dogs mature. It lets them explore. It lets them investigate things that I'm not forcing them into, or I'm not making them do, uh, on, that, that they don't want to do. Um, so anyway, yeah, a hands-on rent is, is a majority of training a dog and spending time with it. 
Well, I'm going to tell you, here, here's the way I look at it. You know, some folks look at, at dogs and, and there's nothing wrong. Whatever. If you're keeping that, get, keeping that dog a, a good place to live and feeding it good and taking care of it. If it gets sick, you take it to the vet, whatever that that's all in my mind, as far as I'm concerned, you're required to do, you know, show a little affection that you don't beat them up all the time, you know, just be, just be good to a dog, but that some folks look at it as a tool. And well, I, I got a hammer. I got a tool chest in my garage and I got a hammer in it. I don't bring my hammer in the house and let it sit around. That dog ain't a tool to me. That dog's a part of this family and it, it, it's more enjoyable. You know, we love and, and sharing the time with, with our pets, with mm -hmm. our dogs, because we're all dog people. You know, if, I guess if we were hammer people, we'd have, we toting hammers around <laughs> in the house all the time. But to me, that dog is not a tool while I use it like one when I'm out hunting. But to me, you know, I never hunt by myself because I'm, people say, well, you going hunting by yourself or you like to hunt by yourself? I'm like, I ain't never by myself. I got my dog. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just time that we share together. So it's, it's good to be able to have somebody else to go with you. But sometimes, man, I just like sitting out in the woods and just being old whaling, just kicking it around. So it's, I get a whole lot more out of it that way. There would be a missing part of my life if we didn't, if it didn't, involve these dogs you know it's just it makes my life richer by doing it because my wife could absolutely care less if he ever hunted another minute she don't care she just loves that dog you know and it's just uh it's just part of what we do it's part now, it's part of, it's part of what we do he he uh he will get a little rambunctious every now and then she's like you need to take this dog hunt and let him run some energy <laughs> She really likes it when, when I go hunt with Michael because Michael, that fool, don't know when to come home. It's it's usually 2 o'clock <laughs> in the morning before I ever get home. And then Waylon, he lays around, lays around for like two days. <laughs> for two days. He's just knocked out. Yeah. And she don't have to worry about him going to stick his head in the dishwasher. This, now, wait a second. Now, when he gets out of them swamps and them whatever y'all call them down there, do they give that dog a bath every day? He don't get a bath every day, no. But he's he gets cleaned up. He that this dog has got it made, man. He don't get he don't get a bath every day, but he gets a bath occasionally. And that's a lot of it. Sometimes we sometimes we just rinse him off. But mm -hmm. uh, he's he's clean when he comes in the house. But you were talking about um, dogs being, you know, just a part of life. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, just, I was thinking, you know, that that fits your title, your podcast. That's just a part of country life. Like everybody, sure. most everybody, I guess you can't categorize everybody, but most everybody in the country has a dog or two. Yeah. Like growing up for me, it was the same. I mean, I was raised on a small farm and we always had a dog by our side. Always. Yeah. 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 We, I never, there's never a time of my life from mm -hmm. the time I hit my feet hit the planet that we didn't have dogs, hunting dogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we weren't big on pets. You know, we didn't have like little, like Jack Russells. I got a Jack Russell right now. Mm. Got a Tasmanian but, devil. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have those. You know, we had dogs that were utilitarian. They, they were mm -hmm. performing a function. Right. But uh, that we also, you know, loved and, mm -hmm. and treated as pets. But 
as far as a dog that was eating at the Reeves house, you know, he was performing a function of some type. He better, he better, he better earn his grub. Exactly. He had to earn his groceries. Yeah. I'm with you. But then, then you get the, you get the girls involved and then it don't matter if they're productive or not. Like it's staying, you can go get another one and then it don't work out and it's staying. And then you go get another one and you end up like me with 14 stinking dogs out here. Yeah. And three of them's worth keeping. The rest of them ain't worth frying pan. You just described Rex Whiting's life right there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's his life. Well, Brent, I know I've taken up enough of your time. Plus, you know, I know you're busy. You busy, but I appreciate you getting on here and catching up. And man, I mean, we we listen to the, your podcast, and um, it's great. And we we talked the other day. I mean, you know, it. I think one of the things that you know we take for granted and you've kind of tapped into it is, you know, this is how we grew up. We grew up doing the exact things you talk about. I mean, that sure. was a way of life. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, the older generation, which was our, our age, you know, it all resonates right. with us. And the younger generation, like, they're intrigued by it and wish they knew about it. Yeah, I, that's the, the appeal. You know, I looked at, uh, I looked at, Medita showed me some statistics, man, and, a large part of the people, the demographics of the people that watch this are 20 years younger or that listen to me are 20 years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they think it's kind of an anomaly, a guy talking about this kind of <laughs> stuff. Well, you can't swing a dead cat in Arkansas and not hit somebody just like me. That's right. There, there's more people. <laughs> like, I know more people like me than I know people that ain't like me, mm-hmm. you know, and I know a bunch of folks. Yeah. So it's, I think it's just having the opportunity to talk about it. Anybody could do it. it. I just happened to be the one that was blessed to be in the position at the right time to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Well, doing a phenomenal job with it. Keep it up and we'll keep listening. And like I said, I appreciate you coming on and, and chit chatting. And like I said, we didn't get a lot of dog training done. We talked some dogs, but it's always <laughs> good to, to, to catch up. Well, I want you to get down here when it cools off. Because I, I can tell you now, I'm not coming to the mountains to hunt. I'll come to fish with you. <laughs> well, come on. I ain't, coming to hunt. I, I, I'll, I ain't coming to hunt up there unless we can ride to the tree because that's what me and Michael do. Well, we ride to the tree, buddy. can't promise you. I can't promise <laughs> you that. I can get you close, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I've been in the mountains, mm-hmm. and being close to something don't necessarily mean it's easy. <laughs> it's all downhill until you have to come back to the truck. That's what happens. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's, I appreciate it, man. Thank yeah. you very much. All right, Brent, thank you for helping us teach, train, and just learn. Learn about country life. Hey, just have fun. Yeah. <laughs>